Thank you very much. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to come before your word today. We give you thanks for what we've just heard in song and ministry there. Thank you, Father, that you care about us so much. You've carried the world upon your shoulders. You want to carry us upon your shoulders. Personally, individually. We pray today, Father, that you carry us in this message. Me, Lord, as I would seek to just share your word. The life that's in your word, Lord. Not my words, but I just pray your words, Lord, in Jesus' name. I just pray for that covering of the blood of Jesus, the protection and the leading of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you want to bring us life today. These are the words of eternal life. And I pray that over this gathering today, Lord, no matter what it is that's happening or troubling us today, we pray that the words of life and would, would speak into our lives today. We're here for you, Lord. We thank you for your presence amongst us today. We come to you with our weaknesses and our frailties and we thank you that you are strong and you are able to do all things. And Lord, it just makes us so happy to be here today worshipping you and in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's delightful to be in the presence of God, isn't it? And to know that he cares for us personally. Individually. I almost today went back to the story of the woman at the well, but I'm not. <laughs> it's came up a number of times, but I'm just going to mention it. The Lord's brought that story to us a number of times recently. And that is a story whereby the king of the heavens was walking in a, in a strange land and took time to come alongside a woman. Individually, a woman who was outcast in her society, a woman who was at the end of herself and who thought nobody cared. And the saviour came alongside her and loved her. And spoken to her life. And I believe that in sermons like this. And in messages like this. If the Lord was standing here today. He'd be wanting to say I love you. I know exactly what's happening in your life. And I want to carry you. And whatever the message is that we apply. Don't just use your head. <clears throat> because the woman when she addressed Jesus. She intellectually started to. She started to dodge the emotional side. And started to talk intellectually. About theology. And there's nothing wrong with theology. But ultimately what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he came and he humbled himself and he became a man, do you know why he did that? To reveal himself in a way that we can understand. To reveal himself in a, a, a humanity. A relational sense. Not an, an aloof sense. I love that about the Lord. The story we're going to read today is from John uh, chapter 6. And it demonstrates how the Lord deals with people. Relates to people. And I believe God would want to speak to us about that today. <clears throat> it starts off just at the beginning of John chapter 6. There's, there's different parts we're going to go through today. And I'll just read the sections uh, sort of one at a time. This first section is about the feeding of the 5,000. It's 5,000 men plus women and children, most likely there. So uh, while we know it traditionally is the 5,000, it's really much more than that. It's a very practical situation and we'll just read through uh, what's happening in John chapter 6. Verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming forward to him, he said to Philip, 
Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about five thousand of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountainside by himself. Amen. Just pray that God blesses us. We just open up his word today. Amen. The first point I just want to bring out of this passage here is that Jesus cares about our needs. All of them. He was confronted there with a large crowd of people. And they had a practical need. A need for food. A need which is natural to all of us. And they were in a sort of wilderness place where food was not readily available. So there was a a real practical need there. Jesus could have chosen not to address that need. Couldn't he? He could have went in isolation by himself. But no, he he came head on. And I, I would suggest to you strongly that the reason he hit that need head on was he has compassion. He loves people. They're his. He loves us individually. He wants to engage with us just like when he went to the women at the well why did he why did he do that because jesus christ came into the world to save sinners he came in to find the lost sheep but he also knows what our needs were just like the women who came to the well was thirsty and they started talking about drinking and jesus also knew what it was to be thirsty jesus related to people on a very earthly and practical level they were hungry they needed some food So he was going to demonstrate his power in this circumstance to show them that I can give you, uh, God in heaven can give you everything. It shows his character of compassion. Jesus looked to the situations with compassion that he met, the people with compassion. It shows also that he's a miracle working God. He's able to do absolutely anything. And maybe today one of the problems can sometimes be is we don't often see these types of things happening. Yeah? But the people there had a privilege in that day. They literally stood. Could you imagine what it would have been like there up in the middle of nowhere? Right? Just try and picture it for a minute. Nancy, you're sitting there. Right? We're not just singing about it on Sunday with the Sunday school. You're actually there. And there's 5,000 men plus women and children. And there's the Lord Jesus. And there's 12 disciples. And there's a wee boy with uh, five loaves and what was it? <laughs> Can I make five small barley loaves and two small fish. What happens next? <laughs> what happens next? A miracle. A miracle. And why are these recounted in the scriptures, do you think, for us? Why would God want us to know these things today? One reason? 
to believe that he's a miracle working God. And what is the situation you find yourself in today? What are the practical needs that you find yourself in today? And you think, how on earth? I'm up on a mountainside in the wilderness and I've got the five loaves and two fish. And there's all this need. That need could be very practical. Yeah? God cares about it. God cares about you. And he's able to work a miracle. I'm not going to get into specific examples. God's not brought any to my mind at this point in time. But I could go around the room and I could no doubt speak to you about times that you've prayed. We prayed yesterday for Kirk. And within a couple of hours, Kirk has recovered dramatically from where he was. God is able to pour out in a practical sense to our health, to our needs. And while we're not promised we're going to be the richest people on earth, God knows what we need. And elsewhere in scripture it says God knows what we need before we ask him, but he calls us to ask him. He wants us to come. I love the wee boy, because the wee boy just demonstrates what we should do in a practical sense when it comes to Jesus. Just bring it, just bring everything to him. Everything we've got. You know, sometimes, in, in, you know, our life tells us, our society tells us, you work and you work and you work and you earn and you make yourself happen. Yeah? And you just do it. You just get, just man up, woman up and get it done. Right? You're just going to do it yourself. In God's kingdom, it's the upside down way. You bring what you have to Jesus, you bring your five loaves and your two fish, and he'll take it, he'll work a miracle of multiplication on whatever you brought to him, and he'll make it marvellous, and he'll make it much more than what it ever was before. And we're not just talking materially, we're talking about what's your gift? What's your gift that you have to bring to the Lord? Caring for folks? Sharing about your experiences? Sharing about the Lord? Listening, hospitality, singing. We've all got something we can bring. And there's a ministry there. There's lots of people who don't know Jesus, just like there was in that day. There were lots of people that didn't know him. The disciples are there going, what can we do? <laughs> and I like Andrew. There's Andrew there. He's a disciple, do you know what? Uh, Andrew says, he's a boy. Uh, so he at least points in the right direction, doesn't he? Yeah, he still struggles in faith though because he still says, but how far is that going to go? <laughs> That's what we have. At least he points out there's something, right? So he's, he's an optimist, Andrew. Uh, Andrew. He's an optimist, but he still can't see where the miracle is going to go. And it says earlier on there that, you know, even before Jesus asked Philip the question, where are we going to get the bread, that he was just testing them because he already knew exactly what he was going to do. Again, why would God do that? Well, would God not want us to increase our faith? You know, Philip, Andrew, they've seen miracles already. Jesus has already worked quite a number of miracles at this stage. And yet, when they're faced with this situation, they're still a bit blinded to the fact that this is the saviour of the world that's standing next to them. This is God. And in some sense, there's still scales there and they just don't get it. And Jesus is helping them along just like he helps us along because we struggle in our faith. Who struggles in your faith? Who struggles? I'm putting up my hand. We all struggle in our faith because we go through life and things happen. And things get really hard. And needs come and, and problems come and it can get really, really hard. And it tests our faith. But then why the Lord brings us back to stories like this because he says, I care about you and I'm able to work abundantly above and beyond what you could ever ask or imagine and whatever the need is. 
Whatever the need is, I can meet that. Do we believe that today? Yeah. And he'll take us along. He's gentle with us. He didn't say, oh, Philip, come on. <laughs> or Andrew, go and you just believe a bit harder. He was gentle with them, wasn't he? That's lovely. Compassionate. Gracious. Merciful. This is our Lord. He gently woos us in. <laughs> He's a loving God. He's not hard. He's not harsh with us. He was gentle with those disciples. He didn't rebuke them. Heavy that day. He, he, he brought them along the journey. And another thing, just about the wee boy. Let the children come uh, to Jesus. We spoke to them earlier on. It's good in the church here that the children are able to be free, isn't it? That they're not hindered in any way. And whether it's in the meeting or whether it's next door or whatever it is that they're doing, the Lord would want the children to be able to be coming towards them. And children have a key place in ministry, don't you, Lachlan? In the future. (laughs) Or even now. They've got a key place in the ministry and we maybe just underestimate how early that the Lord wants to use the children. God's blessed me through the various children in the church and the various things, you know, my own and others as well. The things that they come up with, the things that they say to us, the faith that they have, the songs that they sing. Right? And Jesus loves that. And it also keeps us focused on that's the child-father relationship. You know, when we first come to the Lord, it's all really simple, isn't it? (laughs) And then we make it a whole lot more complicated. But for children, it's simple. And we're told that we have to have a childlike faith. And sometimes when we become an adult and we become mature and we become educated, we forget we need Father. We need Father and we need miracles and we need Jesus. And Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Not because I've studied theology. Because I know him and he loves me. I said to Nathan this morning, we're alive, son. I don't know why I said it, but I was quite happy I was alive. I was quite happy he was alive. And we're born for such a time as this. We need to shake off everything else. Who knows what miracles are about to happen if we just step forward. We boy stepped forward with what he had, his lunch. A very ordinary item. Jesus multiplied it, did an absolute miracle and met the need of 5,000 plus, maybe 10,000 people in one shot. What can he do through our lives if we'd only just let him and give everything to him? It's a miracle. So, Jesus cares about our needs, practical as well as spiritual. He's got a character of compassion. He's a miracle working God and he's able to do all things. And, and these things are, are designed to bring glory to God. Somebody said at the men's meeting recently when God does things, he does it for his name's sake. So when God does things, and when Jesus worked on earth, he worked to bring glory to his Father. That was the aim of what he was doing. Ultimately, Father God had to get the glory. And in this type of example, Jesus would... They were trying to make him king by force, it said there, and they went out to an isolated place because it wasn't his time yet. But ultimately, what this was to do was to point people to God and to glorify him. Yeah, Meeting a need and working a miracle, but bringing glory to God. So what do we need to do to apply this part to us today? Well, we need to first believe that God's a God of compassion. That Jesus wants to operate in our lives. He wants to operate miracles in our lives. To help us in every situation, to provide for our needs, to whatever those may be. But our part for him is to bring what we have to him. And bring it in faith. 
to him, whatever it is, and pray for a miracle. God already has in mind what he wants to do in your life. Now we read in Jeremiah, you know, the, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for your life and for my life. Isn't that wonderful? And he has in mind what he wants to do already. Do not let the natural sense of things put you off. Don't say I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 38, whatever I am. Do not limit God. Amen? What has God got to do in your life? Lots. <laughs> Miracles. Bring what you have to him. Have faith in him. Believe for a miracle. It might seem like you're in a wilderness place. It doesn't matter. This was a wilderness place. Is it exciting? Who's excited? Yeah? For evangelism, I think there's a, a message in this there. The disciples had, you know, were learning a lesson that day to believe that Jesus is able to meet and do miracles. Impact lives in all sorts of ways. And that they had to get along with the journey. Yeah, there's a lot of people with a lot of needs out there and God's able to meet them, but he wants us to operate. He wants us to minister like the disciples were getting called to bring what was there. Part 2, verse 16. So for the feeding of the 5,000, and then part 2 starts in verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went out to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. I think I would be too, would you not? Yeah. <laughs> in the dark of night, in the, in the rough seas, three and a half miles in, and some body is walking across the water <laughs> towards you. <laughs> quite terrifying uh, but he said to them it is I don't be afraid then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading so we've got another dramatic event so the disciples Jesus had went to be after this he'd went out moved out because the people were trying to kind of take things too far <laughs> as they say in Glasgow uh, the disciples had headed on to the next destination and Jesus was left behind and they were almost well, three and a half miles in and all of a sudden Jesus walks up over the water and it's a terrifying experience. Well, again, what would God speak to them and speak to us about that? Well, I was thinking about this. <laughs> I was thinking about, first of all, it's another miracle. It's another miracle. People don't typically walk on water. Anybody? Don't they? <laughs> um, it's, it's an absolute miracle. It shows Jesus who he is. It shows his power. It shows uh, his ability. It's also a time where they were only really willing to welcome him into the boat once they actually realised who he was. It says they were terrified and frightened, but when they realised it was Jesus, they welcomed him into the boat. So I would believe that there's maybe a couple of things just to take out of this. I think first of all Jesus wanted again to demonstrate his power to them, to his disciples. 
to increase their faith again so that they can continue to trust him on this journey. And the second point, I think, is that he wanted to show them he wants to be with them on the journey. So he hadn't started off on the boat uh, with them. But he made a fair bit of effort to walk three and a bit miles across stormy seas to get into a boat alongside them. And I also find it interesting in this particular account, if you look at verse 21, it says, Then they were uh, willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And I was actually thinking to myself, what was the point in getting in the boat when the boat was just about to hit the shore? (laughs) Jesus almost walked the entire way across. I think it speaks to us that Jesus, again, about his relationship with us. He takes time to spend time with us. He took time to be with his father, but he was taking time to be with his disciples, to encourage them, to help them on the journey. I believe he would want to say the same thing to us today. He wants us to hear these stories about demonstrations of his power, and while we weren't there at that moment in time, it should be increasing our faith in him. He's able to do miraculous, wonderful things. But secondly, he wants to be on the journey with us. Where are you in the journey today? What does it feel like? Does it feel like you're some miles in and it's dark and it's a bit stormy? What does it feel like? You can feel like that sometimes, can't it? And you feel, maybe even as a believer, as a Christian, you feel, where's the Lord in this situation? He has promised us as Christians he'll never leave us or forsake us, but maybe it doesn't feel like that just now. It feels like we're in the boat on our own. And it's a bit rocky, and it's a bit choppy, and it's a bit dark. The Lord Jesus, I believe today, would come alongside, if you know him as your saviour, would come alongside you and say, I'm there. I'm with you in the boat. It says in other accounts of this story that the storm calmed. And there's a bit of differences in the different stories, I'll not get into that. But there's another thing here about they reached the shore. I just thought of heaven when I, when I read that, actually. I thought, when Jesus came into the boat, they reached the shore. When you asked the Lord Jesus into your life for the first time, you reached the shore. The heavenly shore. You reached the heavenly shore. It might not be visible to us yet. <laughs> we'll see it one day, we'll see the heavenly shore. That God spoke to me when I read that passage there. I hadn't really read it like that before. But they reached the shore when they entered the boat. They were, they were saved, they were re- rescued, whatever way you want to put it. But maybe we committed our lives to the Lord a wee while ago and we're just forgetting that he's there. We're forgetting we've already reached the shore. <laughs> but whatever God would speak to you about that today, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? You're on the heavenly shore. And you know, there's that, there's that example of, you know, when we come to know Jesus, we, we're saved and we're brought into his kingdom. And just think about it just now as a shore. So you're taken out of the storm of sin, the darkness of sin. You're taken out of all that and you're planted on the shore. And the shore's a place of salvation. And the shore's a place of light and life. And a place where Jesus is with you forever. And the heavenly shore is the future day when we go to meet him face to face and we shall see the land that God has prepared for us and it's the sweet by and by and the other rejoicing that it gives to us is that we will know everybody who's ever trusted in Jesus will be on that shore we will meet uh, 
Philip and Andrew, the disciples and the rest of them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And all, and all our loved ones that have went to be with the Lord. And all the folks in history that went to be with the Lord. Isn't that marvellous? So it's important to have that heavenly vision. You know, don't look behind you at the storm. In a spiritual sense, you're already rescued. If you've trusted Jesus, you're already saved. You're on safe ground. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. That's your spiritual position as a Christian. And nothing can take that away from you. You can't be snatched out of his hand. Praise the Lord for that. Nothing can stop that. And we have the the heavenly shore to look forward to where there's no more sickness, there's no more pain there's no more death there's no more separation we'll see him as he is, we'll see him face to face we'll see all the believers face to face what a day we'll be singing something like these songs (laughs) but we'll be there Um, so you might be thinking today well Jesus can't help me there's so many storms, there's difficulties in my life but he, he will walk right through the stormy night across the waves to be with you in fact he walked right across from the heavens to the earth to be with you it says in Philippians 2 verse 5 your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus crossed over from the other side to the earth to reach you. Will you welcome him today? Now there may not be any unbelievers in here today. Keep praying that there will be. Yeah? I want to see every seat filled with people seeking the Lord. You may already be a believer, but if you weren't, would you welcome them in? And if you are a Christian, don't give up when you hear the waves roaring and it feels dark. Just remember who you're with. Remember you're on the heavenly shore. <clears throat> Part 3. So part one, the feeding of 5,000. Part two, Jesus walking across the water. Part three, the people follow Jesus across the lake and Jesus speaks to them. Uh, Verse 22, John 6. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples. But they, they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten their bread after the the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So the people take a journey to follow Jesus across the lake. It's actually a little bit funny really, isn't it? Because they knew that Jesus hadn't been on the boat. And then they sort of waited there thinking, we're going to get something from the Lord the next day. Because they've had this miracle of provision of bread, haven't they? So their, their bellies were full for one evening, so they were hanging around. <laughs> they were hanging around because 
they knew where their bread was buttered at that side of the lake <laughs> but then they found out wait a minute Jesus isn't here so they got in the next boats that arrived and they headed across to the other side to search out for Jesus verse 25 when they found him on the other side of the lake they asked him Rabbi when did you get here? <laughs> one commentator I was reading just this morning said uh, they didn't ask how did you get here? because if they'd asked that he'd have said I walked across the water three and a half miles <laughs> All they asked them was when, because obviously their minds weren't going to cope with the fact that, even think about the fact that Jesus might have walked across water. But they just asked them, when did you get here? Uh, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So they were really, really desperate to get to be with the Lord. And they're saying to him, when did you get here? Because, you know, we're trying to get to where you are, basically. Um, and Jesus pinpoints right into their hearts because he's God and he's able to see our motives. He's able to understand it before we even say a word. And he says, I tell you, you're not looking for me because of the signs, because it pointed to God or what, who I am. You're here because you are, you're hungry. And I fed you yesterday. <laughs> and you're looking for more. It's your belly that's rumbling. <laughs> Not that you're seeking after me. And then he, he, taught, he, he relates, the, he, he changes the, the, the view from the physical need to the spiritual need. He has met them at their, their physical need, and he does, as I said previously, he cares about that. And he's met them in the need, but it's becoming a stumbling block to them because what's happened here is the people are just thinking about the natural side of things. So they haven't got the real point, the greater point is that the one who gave that bread and multiplied that bread to them is, is God. And that it, it's brought glory to him and his father. Yeah? They're looking at the, the gift rather than the giver. Um, and he says, you know, there's more than this. You know, this, these, these loaves are temporary. It spoils. As you know, if you... Food spoils and it doesn't last, does it? You know, you eat yesterday, you're going to eat again today, most likely, aren't you? You're going to have your lunch when you leave here, because you're hungry again. It doesn't last. He's saying, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So bread, uh, natural bread gives us life, it gives us energy, it gives us that ability to, to get through the day. And then we need the same the next day, we need to be replenished. What he's saying is, I want to give you life. You know, like when I said this morning to Nathan, I'm alive, and you're alive. I wasn't talking about the fact of the material things that made us alive. <laughs> God makes us alive. Ultimately in a natural sense. But he wants to, as I was saying to the children, we have this natural life that we're born into, but he wants to give us new life. To be born again. To have life poured into us. Eter what life? Eternal life. Eternal life. With him. In heaven. On the heavenly shore. And the other negative aspect of that is if we're not entering into that new life, the Bible tells us we're going to hell. We're going to spoil. We're going to perish. And when we die, we're going to be in that eternal place of, of, of hell. 
So for Jesus, the much more important subject to share with the people was not whether they were hungry physically or not. It was, I need to give you life. You need life from me. Eternal life. I want you to be with me. I want you to never perish. So then he mentioned there's a work for them to do. And they say in uh, verse 28 there, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. It's interesting the use of the word work, because the tendency when you think about work is, what what do I need to do? And Jesus answers very interestingly, believe. (laughs) Which doesn't to us seem like a work, does it? What would we tend to think? What do I need to earn? What do I need to do? Do I need to live a good life? Do I need to do better? Do I need to? What is it I need to do? And he says, no, believe. This is the work. Believe in the one he has sent. He's talking about himself. And God the Father has sent him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mentioned the, the, the baby being born there with grace in the middle name. That's a good name, isn't it? Grace is that unmerited favour. We get given something that we never earned. We get given something that we didn't earn. That's grace. And you work for your wages and you, and you work you get paid because you did something you earned it we didn't earn our salvation we were given it as a gift just like the people were given the bread to feed them miraculously we're given salvation uh, through faith and by grace it's a gift but our work if you were to call it that <clears throat> is to believe that's our entrance that's trusting in Jesus and it's not really a work is it it's faith it's receiving it's believing and everything in our natural self tells us we need to earn things that's just the way we're, we're wired and the way our world operates but God works completely the opposite way he says receive from me believe in me and I will pour it all out and just like I multiplied the bread and the fish he multiplies salvation and you say, my sins are many. They're 5,000 upon 5,000. And he says, that's fine. I'll deal with all of them in one go. Because when he died on the cross, he paid the price for all of our sins. Complete, finished sacrifice. Just like he covered 5,000 plus 5,000, maybe more women and children. And he multiplied that provision of bread. His body was sacrificed on the, on the cross for us. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And that one sacrifice is multiplied unto countless millions. Countless millions of people can receive that life and that forgiveness. Isn't that marvellous? Yeah. Isn't that incredible? One outpouring. So it's a much greater point Jesus was making here. He says you've seen one provision for needs here on one day. But the important thing you need... He was pointing towards his death. They would know that. They would understand that hopefully in the future those people, when they saw Jesus' body being broken for them and when they heard the gospel message afterwards, it would make more sense to them, wouldn't it? 
afterwards when Jesus sat with his disciples and said this do in remembrance of me this is my body broken for you and he picked up bread do this in remembrance of me and he picked up the cup and he said this is my blood shed for you and then that practice was ordained in the churches from the early days don't you think some of the people here on the mountainside eventually would say wait a minute (laughs) this is what it really is all about he literally his body was broken for me his body represented by that bread the bread of heaven life from heaven life from heaven broken and, and, and broken for us given to us it's marvellous next week we're going to meet for communion in the morning and I might continue along these lines what a, what a wonderful saviour we have his body broken and multiplied gift to all, all of us for everybody that believes it's, this forgiveness is available a wonderful saviour, amen so just to complete this John uh, 6.30 so they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give us so that we we may see it and believe you, what will you do our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat so they're talking there about the wilderness experience in Israel with Moses, leading them in the provision of manna given to them on a daily basis that was just enough to meet their physical needs God miraculously provided this food in the middle of a wilderness so it's logical that they think they make a connection yeah because they're in the wilderness and they're making a connection remembering the days of Moses when God did something similar and provided miraculous manna for them to eat but then they're saying you know are you going to do this (laughs) he's just done it did he not just do it yesterday (laughs) yeah he just did it yesterday but what miraculous sign are you going to do they said to him the next day Jesus said I tell you the truth it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world so they said from now on give us this bread and Jesus declared I am the bread of life he who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty but as I told you you have seen me and still do not believe so Jesus is emphasising now he's closing his point here the next day saying I'm the bread of life I'm the gift of Father God from heaven the gift of Father to you previously in the wilderness was a temporal gift it was for a natural need that you had but I'm the permanent gift I'm the bread from heaven that's going to bring you life eternal he's the finished work yeah of salvation these Old Testament examples were, were shadows of what was to come. They were examples of God's favour and provision, pointing us towards the Saviour. Even that manna in, that, in the wilderness was a pointing towards, I believe, the Saviour. The ultimate provision God had planned. But the, His provision is eternal. It's once and forever. So again, he's addressing their lack of faith. You know, and, and maybe if we were to apply that today, we will speak to a lot of people who will not believe this message. Right? They'll not believe it. It takes people a while sometimes. Not everybody just comes into a gospel meeting and just goes, I'm giving my life to the Lord and that's it. <laughs> Be patient. Jesus, do you notice? He's, he's, he's hitting them head on with it, but he's trying, he's working with them. <laughs> yeah? He didn't say, just just go away. You know, I've, I've just I've just done a miracle yesterday, I fed you all what else do you need to see? He didn't say that did he? I didn't read that <laughs> he could have 
He could have. But why didn't he do that? Because he loved those folk with all of his heart. That's exactly why he came. Exactly why he came. And he's patient with us. And he's patient with all the folks in Middlesbrough that don't know him yet. And when we were with folks, be patient with them. Be patient with them. It might take some time. With your family members. It seems like a brick wall. It might take some time. But you're speaking words of life into them. You're talking about your saviour. And all these provisions for you. Keep being patient. Work from where they're at. They're at a certain place right now. In their understanding. You're helping them along the way. Yeah? They were at a place where they were looking at past experiences. And their understanding of God. And Jesus is elevating it up. Just as gently as he can. But speaking to them about the truth. So talk to people about Jesus. Somebody asks you for the faith you believe. Say I love Jesus. He saved me from my sins. Pretty simple. Yeah? That's ultimately the message we can share. And then somebody says, well, how on earth do you believe that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he's forgiven all of my sins, and I know that's true. He's taken all my sins away, and that's a miracle. Not because I deserved it. Then they might say, well, what's the sign? What's the evidence? And you'll say, well, me. Because I can tell you one thing, I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I can see. I was dead and now I'm alive. Is that not us today? Might not feel like that, but that's you. You're, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. And you're a witness. Jesus is at this point not walking the earth in a, in a bodily form, but you are. <laughs> and he wants us to be witnesses for him. So just to, just to close the message, we talked here about Jesus' miraculous provision for the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus' miracle walk, walking on the water across to where the disciples were. And the people following him across and Jesus sharing that he's ultimately the bread of life. And that they can find eternal life through faith in him, the one that the Father has sent. I trust that's been encouraging you to, to you today as you share Maybe you go and share with someone else something of that story at some point to help them understand the provision of the Lord. Maybe God's speaking and saying, I want to encourage you because you feel as if there's so much need and difficulty in your life and it feels really difficult. God would say to you today, I'm able to carry you, to lift you through. I'm with you. I'm your provider. Whatever it is that's required, I'm able to do it. And an encouragement to us as we witness to other people to, just like Jesus, helping the disciples to believe him more. As you, as we read these stories today, remind yourself how great God is. How much he loves you. And how much he's got a heart for all the multitudes that are out there that don't know him yet. And he wants us to share with them. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We give you thanks for this message today. Father, I pray you just take the words that are yours and just leave them and let them rest on us. And help us to apply them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your compassion and your concern for every person here today. I pray, Lord, you just speak into our, our hearts and just lift us in our faith, Father, to get more of a sight of your glory, more of a sight of that heavenly shore that you prepared for each one of us and that salvation that you've given through your Son, Jesus. And I pray for the needs that would be represented in this room today, Father. You know exactly... Uh, 
what is required in each life and in each circumstance and, and we figuratively Lord just in faith bring the five loaves and the two fish that we have to you tonight which is our faith in Jesus our belief that you're a miracle working God that you're our provider and you already have a plan to meet needs before we even ask and so we simply agree with your plan and we say Father God your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we say give us today our daily bread And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.